If you have your Bibles, if you turn over into Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26, Deuteronomy 11, uh, verse 26 to 28, amen. We welcome everybody in the name of the Lord this morning. It's good to be here in God's house. Deuteronomy chapter 11, just a couple of verses there. This is the second part of uh, this uh, deeper life, the deeper life. We're looking to go deeper with the Lord into a new place with Him. And uh, this is the second part of that message. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse uh, 26. If you stand for the reading of God's Word this morning. Deuteronomy 11 verse 26. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. Father, this morning we just ask, as we sang that great song this morning, would you touch our lips with a living coal? from off thine altar. Lord, would you give us ears to hear. Lord, we pray that your name would be glorified in this house. We ask for the quickening of the Holy Spirit to touch our lives afresh. We thank you for the precious time. Lord, last Sunday morning at the end, as many lives were laid before you on the altar. And Lord, we pray you continue to speak this morning. Lord, give us the grace. Lord, give us the ability, Lord, not in ourselves, but through your grace, Lord, to live this life that's pleasing to you. So God, would you speak this morning? Let every other voice be silent. Lord, let your voice be heard in our hearts afresh. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats together this morning. I, I believe that there's two essential requirements or things that are vital for us who desire to go for a deeper place in God, to go deeper uh, with the Lord. I believe one of those things, the first thing is a desire. I believe desire is so important today. What has your desire? What has your affections? What has the desire of your life? And so many people have a desire for earthly things. We know that leaves is empty, that leaves is dry, but there is a desire. I believe there's a desire in this room this morning there's a desire in hearts is very tangible. Uh, there's a desire in this local fellowship. We're greatly blessed with that, that there's a desire for the Lord, that people do want to live for God, that they want to go to a deeper place with the Lord. So I believe that desire is very important, but desire in itself is not enough. It is not enough. Just to have desire is not enough. I want to go deeper. I want to go further with the Lord. I desire to go with the Lord but there's another requirement in going deeper, and that is the word obedience, to be obedient to the things of God. Let me show you this because it runs right throughout the Scripture, the desire and the obedience. If you turn over into the Gospel of John chapter 7, again, a lot of these verses are very well known to us. The Gospel of John chapter 7 and verse 37, Jesus stands, it's the last day of the great feast, and he says these words, if any man thirst, that's, first of all, that's the desire, that is a desire, is, is there a man or a woman 
or a young person that's in this room this morning that has a thirsting for God, and oh, that God would deepen that thirst. Oh, there would be a real deep thirst for the things of God, for Christ Himself. Jesus is speaking here and saying, of any man's thirst, He's speaking of a desire. If there's a young woman or a young man that have a hunger for God, they they want to go out for God. God has given you that desire in order that you would serve Him. But it's the things of the earth that that will choke up the desire for God. It's the temporal things around us that will choke up. It's the sin of this world and the unbelief and the gods of this world that will leave us empty and the God of this world will ultimately destroy us. But Jesus said, if there's a man or a woman that thirsts, then he says, let him come unto me. You see, there is the desire and then there's the responsibility or there is the reaction of the individual. Let him come. There's a responsibility for us to act upon the God's Word. And he says, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. He's speaking here of the Holy Spirit. And so it's important that it's not just enough to have desire in this room. I know if we could measure desire, I I would believe that there is a lot of desire. There's a lot of desire for the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. But then the second part of that is, let him come. There is a responsibility on the individual that he would act upon what he hears and he would walk in obedience to God's Word. We've read here in Deuteronomy 11 that obedience brings the blessing of the Lord. I know that in the context of the modern uh, sort of contemporary gospel, which is another gospel, we remove a lot of these words like repentance and obedience, and we just focus on the grace and the love of God. Well, we're so thankful for God's amazing grace and God's great love, but the full balance of the gospel requires obedience And I'll show you this in a moment. It requires of us an obedience. It's not enough to just be a believer. I believe. The Bible tells us that devils believe and they tremble. There's a lot of people filled pews today that believe that God sent His Son into the world to die on a cross, that He was buried on the third day, that He rose again. And one day He's coming again. There's people in this room believe that, but they haven't obeyed the gospel. Many will be believers that will find themselves in a lost eternity. They were believers, but they never came in to obey God's Word. Turn back into Genesis chapter 12, and we'll look at a man, father of the faith. His name is Abram, and we see desire, and we see obedience. I want you to follow just these two things, these two thoughts this morning regarding the deeper life. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 says these words, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in all the families, and in thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I believe the reason why God came to Abram, he's God, but God put in that man a desire to go out and to serve God. And when God began to call him and speak to him and say, Abram, get thee out. It's time for you to enter in to what I have for you. Verse 4, we see there's desire, but then we see there's the obedience to God's Word. Verse 4 says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old 
when he departed out of Haran. If you just turn over for a moment right over in the Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, we read here of this great chapter of faith, but this is what it says concerning Abram. This is so important that we see it this morning. Hebrews 11 and verse 8, the Bible says, By faith Abram, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, what does it say? What does it say, friends? Do you read it there this morning? It says he obeyed, and he went out, not knowing, not knowing whether he went. You know, in the modern age of everything, and I get these regular by email and other ways, uh, people feel called into the ministry or are going to do something for God. The first thing they'll do is put together a prayer letter of some sorts or a letter to tell everyone about what they're going to do and how they'll need financed and how they want you to support them. But Abram just heard the voice of God. And God was enough in everything and God still is enough. And he obeyed the Lord and he departed. And the Bible says, not knowing whether he went, but he was looking. He was looking. Friends, I want to tell you this morning that we want to go to a deeper place with the Lord. It's good to have faith and it's good to believe. But friends, there has to be an obedience to God's call. If you go back in the Exodus chapter 3, I want to speak of another man. We see desire. And we know this man so well. His name is Moses. He's the mediator of the old covenant. We know his life. His life is separated up into three 40-year periods. That first 40 years, how he was preserved by his mother, divinely preserved by God, grew up in Egypt. He was mighty in word and deed. He came into his heart that day that he would serve the Lord and deliver God's people. He murdered an Egyptian, and then he runs out into the midst of that wilderness. But I thank God that God's not finished with Moses, and he's not finished with people who have failed the Lord. God still has a purpose. It's amazing how God works. If we think it's all about us getting it all right and into a box, we're wrong. God takes the misfits and the failures and the deniers and those that have maybe jumped out of the boat and sunk, but yet God raises them up and sets them on the streets of Jerusalem, fills them with the Holy Ghost and uses them for His glory. He finds a man kicking the dust at the back of a wilderness at the age of 80 years old. Exodus chapter 3, keeping the flock, it says, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the backside of the desert. Maybe there's someone this morning, you're at the backside of the desert. You're right at the very back end of things. You're just wondering somewhere. Lucy testified this morning of a time or a rough time in her faith, of a, of a barrenness or a, or a place like a desert or a wilderness. And then God begins to move. Sometimes there's times in our lives where God begins to deal with us and test us and try us, brings us into a place of barrenness because we've been perhaps trying to live this life or do God's work in the power of our own strength, but there's a meeting place with God. There was a deeper place for Moses. 
And it says here that he came to the mountain of God, even Horeb, verse 2, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside, see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when he saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, I want you to remember these three words are really important. Here am I. He was totally available to God even after all those years that the desire had never gone away. The desire that came into his heart at 40 was still as fresh in his heart when he was 80. God, keep us fresh no matter what age we are. Keep us fresh to the voice of God. Keep us fresh to the call of God. Our outward man is perishing. Our outward man is failing. But God, keep us fresh to the voice of God. God begins to call to Moses in the backside of the desert out of a bush that did not burn up. And immediately Moses responds in his frailty as an 80-year-old man. And you know what he says? He says, here am I. Here am I. If you turn over into the next chapter, we know there was an interaction here between God and Moses. Moses was looking at himself. He knew he had no strength to go. He knew he wasn't able to speak. His voice had gone. His ability to articulate the way he was at 40 wasn't there. He knew that there was something of a feeling in his outward man, but God hadn't finished with Moses. And he goes back and forward with the Lord. But then in Exodus 4 and verse 20, do you know what you see? You see a desire when he said, here am I. But here you see the act of obedience in Moses' part. Exodus 4 and verse 20, we see Moses takes his wife and his sons, sets them up upon an ass, and he returned to the land of Moses. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand that God had given the authority to go. Friends, this morning, it's so important when you look at this 80-year-old man and we see that he went to his father-in-law, Jethro. We see that he asked and looked and sought to, to do the principle and the right thing. But you just see this man, he's met with God. He had a desire for God. He longed for God. He responded to what God said. He believed in God. But that desire manifested out in this. He got his wife. He got his sons. He got his donkey, he placed him upon it, and he had the authority of God, and he headed back in to Egypt. Desire. Well, one day I'd like to get saved. Desire. Do you know that there are absolutely millions of people in a lost eternity with desire? They would long to sit in your seat this morning and have the ability and the privilege, have desire. Desire, one day I'll get right with God. One day I'll get saved. One day I'm going to live for Jesus. One day I'll do it. Desire, but there's millions in hell. Millions in hell that had desire, but never came in to obedience. Obedience is simply the very way of the cross. If you turn over into 1 Peter 4 and 17, the Bible speaks about obedience. Modern preachers may not speak of obedience, but the Bible speaks 
of obedience. Peter says in 1 Peter 4 and 17, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of the Lord, and if it first begin at us, what shall, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Powerful. That's a question he asks. I believe Paul answers it. If you turn over in the Second Thessalonians chapter 1, and Paul answers Peter's question, what shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, it's so important. It's because there's a refusal to obey the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is to be obeyed. It's not to be debated. It's to be obeyed. Repent and believe. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ today. We have removed repentance and simply say, <clears throat> just believe. Just believe. I want to tell you, friends, it's not enough to believe. It's good to believe, but there has to be obedience to the gospel. Today we see another gospel Another gospel filling the church with false converts and false security. It's tragic. It might fill halls. It might fill conference centers. It might fill warehouses. But I'm going to tell you, friends, it's not filling heaven. Make sure we understand this morning that when those fishermen we looked at last week gave up everything, can I tell you something? That giving up of everything, of all of our goods and all of our, all of our stuff as they laid down their nets to follow the Lord, that is a good thing. It's a test of our faith. But that does not save us. If sacrifice saves us, then the first through the gates in heaven will be Mother Teresa. It's not sacrifice that saves us. It's our faith in Christ alone that the work has been done and done for each of us. It is critical for faith. And if we desire to go deeper with God, then I want to tell you something. Obedience is going to lock the door of the blessing. Peter asked the question for those who have Felt that they've given up. Peter said to the Lord, if you turn over to Matthew 19, verse 27, this is what he asked the Lord. Matthew 19, 27. This is why I love Peter, because he asked the questions nobody else would ask. Peter said to the Lord, verse 27 of Matthew 19, Behold, Lord, we have forsaken everything, all. We have followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, ye shall sit upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone, and everyone that hath forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake, this is what Jesus said, shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. 
For many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. He's no disappointment. He's no disappointment. You know, that wonderful verse, or those couple of verses that we've heard it prayed and mentioned over the last couple of weeks, and I've been very careful because I knew the Lord had given me these verses and these few words to share. But that wonderful verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, the Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, but as it is written, the eye is not seen, powerful, nor the ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them. There's a revelation of these things unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep, the deep things of God. Do you want to go to a deep place with the Lord? How does God know our hearts? Because he knows them. How does God test us to reveal to us our own hearts? Because we don't know our own hearts. But how does God test us to see what's in us? There's many today have come to a place and you hear the language sometimes when you listen to it that they're disappointed in some way with God. Many look back perhaps in years gone by when they give up for the Lord and they maybe sold up for the Lord or they've surrendered so many things for the Lord and there's nearly like a sense of, well, Lord, I, I did that for you. Lord, I, I give up in some way. Now I've come to this place and Lord, what is there in it all for me? How deceitful our own hearts are. How deceitful our own flesh is. And it begins to diminish the desire for the Lord. The hunger for thirst and after the righteousness of God. Abraham departed and left all. But you know, his whole life is marked with three words. Here am I. If you turn over into Genesis 22, I want us to look at the father of the faith. And his life, it's not just when he departed, but the life that he lived. Genesis 22, he's aged 75 when he departed. He's 86 when they had Ishmael. He's 100 years old when they have Isaac. And in this portion of Scripture, Genesis chapter 22, most believe, the commentators believe certainly, that Isaac's somewhere between the years of 20 and 30 years old. He wasn't a little five-year-old that often you see in the Bible stories, a wee lad skipping along beside his daddy. is more than likely that he was a man. Verse 1 of Genesis 22 says, It came to pass after these things. Remember, God had blessed him. God had given him the son of promise that's Isaac, Sarah had born a son in her old age out of a barren womb. God was faithful to his word and to his promise. And God, it says, tempted, but really it's a test because God doesn't tempt us, but he tests us 
God did tempt Abraham and said unto Abraham, Abraham, and what did he say? Here I am. You think about it for a moment. He'd give up everything. He'd left all. He'd departed. He went out by faith looking for the Lord, looking for the blessing of God, desire to go out after God. He obeyed the Lord. God had blessed him with that son of promise at 100 years old, the miracle of God in his life. And now he's he's perhaps around 120, 125 years old, and the Lord speaks to him, and his immediate response at that age, at that age, his immediate response to the Lord was, here I am. Here I am. I'm totally available. The freshness of the speaking voice of God in his heart and the response, the desire that was still within him at the age of 120, 25, God had blessed him. God had given him the promise, the son Isaac. He had the blessing of the Lord. And now God's speaking to him and saying, Abram, do you know what he says? Here I am. God speaks this morning. I want to ask you, what's your response? God's speaking to your heart this morning. God's stirring your heart with that fresh desire for to go to that deeper place. Can I ask you a question this morning? What's actually your response to God? In faith, in desire, what's your response to Him? Lord, I give up everything. I've followed you. Lord, you've blessed me. And now at the latter stage of life, God's speaking to Abram again. And know what He's saying? Abram! What does Abram say? Here I am! Is there a here I am? Is that the response from our hearts? Is that truly what's in us? Well, God then would test us to know that that truly is what our lives are. That shows that Abram still had desire, still had a longing for God. Verse 2 says, Then the Lord speaks to him and says, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou loved, get thee into the land of Moriah, offer him there a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I shall tell you of. God begins to instruct Abram specifically on what he has to do. What did Abram do? He desire, he's available. Verse 3, what did God tell him to do? He then begins to do it. Abram rose up early in the morning, he saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, and cleaved the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went on to the place of which God had told him. I want you to listen this morning. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost is given to those that obey. You know, there's some today that God has spoken to years ago, and they still haven't obeyed what he said a long time ago to do, and God has nothing else to say except do what I asked you to do. And we're looking for further revelation and more blessing. And God blesses because He's our Father. And we're continually looking for more. But God's saying, what did I tell you to do? The Holy Ghost is given to those that obey. So it says that Abram went up to the place of which God had told him. Here we're looking at a life of faith, but we're looking at a life in obedience to God. Verse 4 says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. Could I tell you something about walking in obedience and faith? The next thing that comes is revelation. God begins to show 
you the deep things of God. Abram said to the young men, Abide here. You were the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come unto you again. And Abram took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both went together. Verse 7 says, And Isaac spake unto Abram his father and said, Father, and he said, Here am I. My son, and said, Behold, the fire and the wood, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abram said, My son, here is how he knew of a God that loved him and provided for him. Our God will provide a lamb for the burnt offering. We know this is a picture of Calvary. And they went forward together. And verse 9 says, And when they came to the place which God had told them of, God is he's moving in the revelation of God, but He's moving in obedience to God by faith, and God's bringing the revelation of where He's to go, what He's to do, and when He's to do it. They came to the place that God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abram stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord spake unto heaven and said unto him, Abraham, Abram. And do you know what he said? He said, Here am I. There was an immediate response of availability to God. He had this freshness in his heart in obedience and by faith to God, that every time that God would speak to him, Abram's response was so simple. Here am I. I'm available. Now, Lord, instruct me what I should do, and I will do it. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost is given to those that obey. God says, don't lay your hand on the lad, neither do anything unto him, for I know that thou fearest the Lord, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only Son, from me. You see, brothers and sisters, obedience. God's looking into this man's heart, and he says to him, now I know. God said, now I know. Abraham, now I know. I pray this morning that as God looks down in this congregation and all the testings that we go through in life and the trials and the tribulations and the dealings of God, but does God look into this room this morning across this whole congregation to all those that love Him and serve Him and want and desire Him? Does He look upon our hearts and does He say these words, Now I know. Now I know whatever I would say to you that you would respond like Abraham and say, Here am I, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to sacrifice. You see, it's not in the sacrifice. That's just an indication of our hearts. But everything's laid on the altar before God. And Abraham lifts the knife and God speaks. Abraham, now I know. Now I know what's in your heart. Now I know, Abraham. Yes, you departed. Yes, you walked out. Friends, this is so important because in these days in which we're living, so many today have, have moved out for God. They've desired to go out into a deeper place, and they have done that. There's so many that are gathered today that God has brought a mixture of people from all backgrounds, brought us together with this one desire. We want to see God move. We want a deeper place with the Lord. We want an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We want to see revival in our land. We have left much to come to believe God. But can God speak to you this morning and say, like he said with Abraham, it's time to lay that on the altar for me. It's time to put your Isaac down. 
It's time to put that which is most precious to you. It might be your ministry. It might be what you think that your calling is. It might be your plans and your dreams and your hopes. But are you willing to put all that on the altar today for God? Oh Lord, I'm keeping the best part. And I'm going to use this best part to serve you. But there's a man, he lost his throne over such language. He lost his throne. He was anointed of the Lord. He was called of God. He was anointed of God. And God had sent him out to destroy the entire enemies of God. But he kept that which was the best and said, I'll offer these as a sacrifice to the Lord. I don't have to fully obey the Lord. And the prophet comes and says, Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you not do fully what he called you to do? Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Oh Lord, but we've given up so much. And so Lord, now you must move us in. But God said, I'm looking for hearts that will obey me. You see, when the angel of the Lord seen his heart, in verse 15, this is so important. Can God speak a second time? Can he speak a third time? But I believe God is speaking. And the angel of the Lord called out to Abraham of heaven the second time. Verse 16 says, By myself I have sworn, said the Lord, for because you have done this thing, and you have not withheld thy son, thine only son. Look at this, friends. Look at the blessing of the Lord. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of thine enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because, why? Because you've obeyed my voice. You imagine, you just think for a moment, He's now 120, 25 years old. He's departed to serve God. He's done his farewell service many years ago, age 75, and gone out to serve Jesus. And the way he goes there, out into that place, just trusting the Lord, not knowing where he's going, but knowing that he's going to provide everything for him. He burnt all his bridges, as it were. He's dropped his nets like the fishermen, and he's off to follow the Lamb wherever he leads. And God supernaturally and wonderfully and powerfully provided for him in that promise that that son was born. Can you imagine? This actually happened. Can you imagine that woman giving birth, that old woman giving birth out of a barren womb? And this son comes forward, this Isaac. And then that son was to promise that seed would come, that is Christ. What? an amazing God, simply because a man obeyed and trusted the Lord. And he had this wee boy growing up, and, and he's seen him growing up into a teenager and a man, and he just knows, see that there? That is the blessing of God. See that? That's what God, that's the miracle of God. That's what God has done. And he's so delighted with the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And every morning he gets up and he sees Isaac. You know what he's looking at? He's looking at the goodness of God. He's seeing the faithfulness of God. He's seeing the provision of God. He's seeing that God is faithful in His promise. He never fails. His word never fails. And then he sees this day that God speaks again. And God says, Abram, Abram. 
and there were still a here am I. What I ask you this morning, friends, is not so much your sacrifice. I want to ask you something this morning. If he called your name, is there a here am I? Can you imagine if Abram had a said at that moment, you look at the covenant and the promise that we have just looked at because he obeyed the voice of God. If Abram had a said, but Lord, Lord, I have given up. I have departed. I did leave. And Lord, I thank you that you have blessed me. But Lord, there's really, we're just living in the blessing of the Lord. We're so delighted. Lord, I'm so thankful. But Lord, I don't think that you would ask someone like me to go to that place of worship, a deeper place with the Lord. Because Lord, you've already blessed me and I've already given everything up. I've already departed. I'm all out for you, Lord. And yet the Lord's speaking and he says, but Abraham, would you go again? Is the heart still as tender? Is it still as fresh? There's very few, it seems to be, I'm not trying to in any way, but it just seems to be this way that as we get older in the faith, or whether our faith gets old and tired and a bit weary and a bit... But it seems to be as we get older that the freshness of all of that zeal that we have when we're younger seems to diminish in some way and we enter into a place where we have an awful lot of knowledge in our head but there's not the freshness of God in our hearts. That a God said, I'm looking someone to go. Would you go? Would you go without a prayer letter? Would you go without hints of faith? I'll go, Lord, but don't know how it's going to work out. Would you go this morning if he said, I just want you to go? I'm so glad that Abraham did. The Bible says that because he did, that the Lord said, I'm going to bless you. See the blessing of the Lord? I know these modern preachers have made it about finance, but I'm going to tell you something. It's so much more. Why would we diminish it down to pounds and euros? Oh, do I know that God can meet a financial need? Anybody know that? He does. But if we reduce it to that, friends, I'm so thankful for the blessing of the Lord. I tell you what money can't buy. It can't buy peace in your mind. I tell you what money can't buy. It can't buy that your sins are forgiven. I tell you what money can't buy. It can't buy that your name's written and read in the Lamb's Book of Life. I tell you what money can't buy this morning, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. I tell you what money can't buy this morning, the presence of the Lord, that in His presence there's fullness of joy, and at His right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I'm going to tell you, friends, when we sing this song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. There's a song that Andy and Ruth sing. It's a song. It's a powerful song. It's a song that I play over and play over and probably drive everyone in my house up the walls. It's on repeat. It says this. There's a voice 
calling me from an old rugged tree and it whispers, draw closer to me. Leave your world far behind. There's new heights to climb and a new life in me you will find. This is one of the verses. Take my house, take my lands, change my dreams and my plans for I'm placing my whole life in your hands and if you call me today to that home and that land far away Lord I'll go and your will obey the deeper life power of the Spirit, the rivers of living water, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the fullness of God, the baptism in the Spirit, the distribution of the gifts and the callings of God are found in a life that says, here am I. See, Jesus, the Bible tells us, made himself of no reputation, took upon the form of a servant. He's made in the likeness of man and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And the Bible says he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You know what we do? And it's a wonderful thing that we do it. We do it we speak in to our kids. They're down in that wee Sunday school room this morning. They're being taught the things of God. They're being taught about missionaries that sold out all, left these shores from Balnehinch, from across this, this land. They burnt up and they went out on a one-way ticket. They got a ticket. They got on an old ship and away they went and we tell them about these missionaries. Tell them what it is that this world's only temporal. Only what's done for Jesus is going to last. That all this here is going to be nothing. In a minute, it's all gone. In a minute, listen, friends, it's all gone. I want to ask you this morning, what are you leaving behind? What are you leaving behind? See, the carnal church is thinking about what they're going to leave for their kids great houses, lands, the business, the cars, all the dreams of this world. But I tell you, the greatest legacy you can leave for your children and for my children is a life that was sold out for God. What's your pension plan? What's your nest egg? Lord, I'm all out for you, but you know where you've got it buried. Your safety nets, well, we'll go a certain way. I'm going to tell you, friends, I'm going to say this, and I say this sincerely, but we all got to get real with God. 
Hey, we all got to get real with God. It's not enough to have desire, because if it was, I'd say we'd already be walking in the fullness of Pentecost. There's a powerful desire in our church. Ours, not mine, it's ours, but it's God's. But if he calls us today, will we say, here I am. No deals. We do deals with God. Anyone ever done a deal with God? Nobody wants to admit it. But you know, sometimes we come up with a preoccupied idea of, Lord, I'm going to serve you, but I want you to bless my calling, my gift. I want you to do it my way because that's what it's all about. It's about me. God's saying, I don't want you to bring anything but you. But I want a heart that's saying, Lord, here am I. You know, years ago, and I'm not saying this in any way about us, really, please, don't look to us. But years ago, we were just getting married. We believed with all our hearts that God had called us to India. We were young, and uh, I'm so glad I did. I sunk like Peter. We went down through the ocean. Only by the grace of God, he pulled us up and threw us back over here in Ulster. But I tell you what, I'm glad I did. Oh, I tell you, I'm glad I did. I'm glad as a failure for Jesus. Then a few years later, 32, he spoke again. How did that all work out? I'm only 48, by the way. I sound like an old man standing here. I'm only 40. I'm only a youngster. But you know, there's something in all of this, just since this part has opened. I never want to lose hearing the voice of God. God's blessed us. But I want to tell you something. My wife says something very profound to me. A lot of profound things. Sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't. <laughs> but eventually she's right anyway. You know I'll know that too. But she is. She says to me, Tim, hold everything loosely. Do you hold it loosely? Do you hold your business loosely? Do you hold your bank account loosely? Oh, we're good at advising each other, but do you do it? Hold it all loosely. You see, I know that God puts men in business in order that they bless the work of God. There's been some mighty men, TBF Thompson, so many men in this country, God has blessed them. But let me tell you something, whether you're a mighty businessman or whether you're Joe Bloggs, See everything that he puts into your pocket? I know people argue over tithing. It's so sad that they do. Imagine arguing over whether we give God a tenth or not. You know, everything he gives you is his. It's a thing called stewardship. One day, everything of what he's put through us is going to stand on the balance sheet and God knows every penny. It's amazing, isn't it? I don't know where I give him a tenth or not. I tell you, friends, if that's where it's reduced to, Lord, not only do we give, we give our all. Stewardship. But I want to say to you, friends, this, whatever age we are, Moses was 80. I think that rules us all in. 
Nobody's there. Not quite. There's a few getting close. But I want to tell you something. Can he say this morning, Tommy, Richard, Anna, young or old, Annabelle, James, can he call your name? And you like the prophet of old, you burn the plough. And you say, this is it. I'm going to get real with God. We won't get real, don't we? Oh, God's blessed us, but I can tell you this Isaac's firmly on the altar because we want to go to a deeper place with the Lord. Do you? Is your response this morning, here am I. I pray if he calls any of our names, and I believe he will, that our response is, Joshua, here am I. Here am I. Nothing but just our lives on the altar. Are you willing? Have you desire? The Holy Ghost is given to those that obey. Obey. Father, this morning, Lord, we just still our hearts before you and we pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak. Believe you're speaking through your word, but we pray this morning you get a hold of our lives, unstop our ears. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus for a fresh. Lord, help us to cut away the flesh of our hearts that we can hear your voice this morning. Lord, may we hold nothing back. May we just lay it all down. Just lay it all. Lord, we need to get real. Lord, I need to get real. We need to get real. Oh God, I thank you for the desire you've put in our lives. But Lord, I pray you give us the grace to obey what you're saying. Lord, we don't want to talk about it anymore. Lord, we're tired of hearing ourselves, our own reasoning, Lord, our own ideas. Lord, this morning, we just lay it all down. We put it on that altar. May you see and may you say, now I know, now I know. You've found a man or a woman. Now you know. I'll give all and obey your voice. Lord, help us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.